This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Streaming 24-7, this is Brum Radio. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. I'm Dave Massey. I am back out of the studio. I am back down on the Birmingham Hippodrome campus, and I am joined by Caroline Miller, OBE, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Birmingham Royal Ballet. Good afternoon, Caroline. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me come down to your building, to your office, to uh, have a chat to you this afternoon. Uh, We're talking about your new season, which is uh, you're just talking about and promoting... uh, today and across this week as the the brand new area what's what's your key focus from this what's the thing that you're most wanting to talk about about it today well last week we just announced a new junior company Mm -hmm. for birmingham royal ballet called brb2 that um we've looked scoured the world for some of the greatest young talent and uh, we're putting together a second company that will be performing in the really big shows like Swan Lake with us but also these young dancers rather than being second spear carrier from the back will get their own moment in the spotlight and have their own show that we can take on the road to venues that have smaller stages Mm -hmm. than Birmingham Hippodrome so places like uh, uh, Northampton and Nottingham and Peterborough so um, we're very excited so they're here they're in the building now they were dancing with us with Nutcracker and um, now is their moment BRB2. And and what's it like to have been able to grow in Birmingham Royal Ballet um, uh, across the pandemic to the point where you can have a second uh, company come along? Yeah, it's been a really special time for the company. Uh, Carlos Acosta, we were just talking, uh, started in January 2020. We announced his amazing first season and then two months later, we're completely locked down. But we didn't let it stop us. Carlos is a very uh, visionary, can-do kind of man. And um, so the fact that we were the first company to commission a new work that went on stage live. We were the first company to go on tour during the pandemic. We uh, opened and closed Sadler's Wells in that odd week, remember, in October 2020 when the country reopened. And uh, then we created a new version of Carlos's Don Quixote last Mm -hmm. year that crazily opened about three weeks after Omicron happened. So at the beginning, you know, it was tough to get the audiences back into the show and our press night coincided with that enormous hurricane so nobody could get to Birmingham. But then by the summer, the audiences were back up and we smashed our box office type records and at Sadler's Wells. And then by the time we've just done the Nutcracker, you know, people are back out in force and we're so grateful that it feels like the right moment like we want to still do the big classics people know us for and they love but we want to do some fresh things some new ideas and the junior company was what carlos really wanted to do 
and and Kit Holder is uh, taking taking charge there for for this year. Um, how 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 has the selection process uh, gone with that? And uh, what was it like to be able to tell Kit that they were taking this role on? So Kit's coordinating it all, working very closely with Carlos Acosta and Dominic Antonucci, who's our assistant director. Mm -hmm. And it was actually Carlos and Dominic that went out and found the dancers that we've selected to be in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And Kit is an amazing dancer. He's one of our uh, first soloists and he um, has also choreographed a lot, but he is at his stage where he needs his next stage and his and to develop his leadership skills so he will be a great mentor and a role model and a leader for that new company and for him it helps him move forward with his own professional development as well so we're very excited but the most important thing is that those young people learn from as many voices as possible whether it's Carlos Acosta or next week we're um, doing a masterclass at Elmhurst for a piece called Rhapsody Mm -hmm. that was choreographed by the famous choreographer Frederick Ashton for a dancer called Leslie Collier and a chap called Mikhail Baryshnikov who some people will know from starring as the Russian in Sex and the City but anyone in the dance world knows him as possibly the greatest living dancer of his generation Um, and so on the first tour of the junior company those young dancers will be performing a duet from Rhapsody and the person it was created for is coming to Birmingham to coach two of them in a public masterclass at Elmhurst so it'll be Kit it'll be Carlos it'll be people like Leslie Collier hopefully after two years these young dancers will either join Birmingham Royal Ballet permanently or will go off to some of the other great companies around the world really starting their career with an amazing experience. Do you find that people are more um, looking towards Birmingham uh, than they've ever done before Um, and how does that attention feel day to day? We've definitely had a lot of attention over the last few years Um, some of the contemporary work that we've done has drawn a lot of attention we made a piece last year called um, Hotel Mm -hmm. by Morgan Runacre Temple and um, all I can describe it is my personal opinion it's like a bizarre ballet version of The Shining and um, I thought it would split views but actually young people old people they loved it it was quirky it was scary it was weird And whether they liked it or not, they were still talking about it. And um, uh, a lot of international um, interest from promoters around the world who want to present Birmingham Royal Ballet. It started with Carlos being our director, so they were curious. But then they see what's going on on stage and the kind of work we're doing. And um, later this week, I go to Istanbul to um, uh, talk to them about programming a piece we did last year called Radio and Juliet, Mm -hmm. which is a ballet uh, about what would happen if Juliet didn't die, and it's set to the music of Radiohead. So 
all these things that people wouldn't have expected Birmingham Royal Ballet to do, mm-hmm. we're doing. It's, it's that crossover between uh, t- what traditionally people might expect versus uh, giving them something fresh and exciting as well. I adored Hotel. That was one of my favourite pieces that I've seen. And the reason I adored it was this combination of storytelling uh, along with the visual the visual imagery of it as well. It was very clever. Um, for those that haven't seen it, uh, people appear to be poisoned in this hotel and it appears to produce these mind-bending uh, drug-induced experiences. And I think it's they spike the mashed potatoes. Is what my, my, That was my interpretation, was that the mashed potatoes was spiked i'm presuming it was something else but that was mashed potatoes that and i thought that was a wonderful uh piece to see because again i was taking somebody that had not come to the ballet before to see it and their expectations of what ballet is were, were blown apart by seeing that they were not expecting the uh, amount of visual uh techniques that were involved in it the type of music that you saw in it and just seeing that sheer kind of like silent movie uh, treatment to it uh, is just wonderful. So I, I, I'm sure that's going to be a piece that people come and see in the in the future very readily. How do you, how does someone such as yourself? How do you um, find yourself in this position at Birmingham Royal Ballet? What did you uh, do to wake up one day and say, "I'm going to be in the ballet. I'm going to run a ballet company"? Uh, what What's your journey to that? Completely by fluke. My family had nothing to do with this didn't understand anything about it I was very lucky that my parents could afford to send me to a dance school when I was little Mm -hmm. so I did what hundreds of thousands of young people particularly young girls do around the country I would go along to dance class tap ballet Mm -hmm. modern competitions from the age of three until I was about 18 Uh, in southeast London, mm-hmm. in the suburbs, and um, I always loved it, but my parents, um, like a lot of parents, are scared about their children going into the arts, and so as soon as they could see that I was very enthusiastic about it, and and I was kind of okay, um, they kept saying to me from about the age of about six, so it was like, oh, it's a lovely hobby, but you don't want to be a dancer, do you? You want to go to college. So when I got to 18, I really did think that was it for me. I wouldn't do anything else with it. I'd had a nice time. I'd made lots of nice friends. Um, And I went to university and I read English and history at Leicester University. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I saw this job um, called an arts administrator. Yes. And no idea how to get into it at all. And... My dad said to me, "Okay, I've got you onto British Telecom's management training scheme. (laughs) And I said, oh, I'm not doing that. And I said, oh, there's this arts administrator. And my parents said to me, "Okay." Um, And I was lucky because I could live at home. So I had support. I didn't have to worry when I was 21 about rent and things that a lot of young people did. I was at home in my bedroom. And... So they said, okay, well, you've got six months and then you need to get a proper job, go to law school or do something (laughs) else. And so I knew that I couldn't work out how to get into it, but I thought the only thing that I was qualified for was maybe to work in a box office. Okay. So 
I applied for a job in a box office, in a shopping centre, in Hounslow, in West London, in a theatre called that doesn't exist anymore, Council Theatre. And I got the job part-time in the box office, earning very, very little money, so I could only do it because I had a parent's house I could live in. And when I was there, I used to work half a day, and I went to the marketing team and I said, I'd like to work in maybe marketing could I come and do some work experience? So in the afternoons, I would go to the marketing team and I did telesales for the pantomime and I wrote the letter to the schools. And and then after that, I got a job as a marketing officer in a regional theatre and worked with a very inspiring guy in, in Essex who ran Colchester Arts Centre like it was the Institute of Contemporary Arts. And I knew nothing apart from ballet and West End shows and he introduced me to visual arts and live arts and theatre. And and so from there, I got a job at the Institute of Contemporary Arts as a press officer and worked on all sorts of crazy things like Tracy Emin mm-hmm. and uh, um, Nick Parks on the wrong trousers and all sorts of things. And then from there, I went to the South Bank at the Royal Festival Hall as a press officer and there I worked, got back to dance. And so I worked on the dance program there and came across all this contemporary stuff I'd never seen. And I did rock music, everyone from Nick Cave to Nina Simone and more visual arts. And then I got to Sadler's Wells as their head of publicity. And then after that, I went into book publishing. Mm-hmm. Finally ended up being offered a job running the advocacy body for the whole of the dance industry called Dance UK, working with yes. politicians and God knows what. That was about 10 years. And after that, I was exhausted. I'd merged four companies together because there wasn't enough money. And um, luckily, again, this is all luck, I'd been trained by a man called Michael Kaiser who um, saved the Royal Opera House in London. He was American. And then he ran the Kennedy Center, which is a big art center in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. And Michael rang me and said, I know you'd like to run a ballet company. I think I found a job for you. And I and I said, oh, I'm going to take some time off. I'm not going. And then two weeks later, I was running Orlando Ballet wow. in Orlando. Amazing. And then, unfortunately, I got cancer. So I came home oh, thinking... Yeah as a lot of people do when they get ill, yeah. nobody's going to want me, they're going to be scared, I'm going to get ill all the time. Mm-hmm. And luckily I got back and someone said, well, Birmingham Royal Ballet needs some help, would you do the job? And I was like, well, I'm just about to finish my chemotherapy, but I could start two weeks later. And that was it. So I came here as interim and then a year, helped to recruit Carlos and then a year later applied for the job permanently. But the short, that's the long answer. The short answer is, I don't know how I got here, but it was a lot of luck. It was doing a lot of jobs, starting at the bottom and working my way up, looking for where I could find bits of training or experience or somebody else who I worked with helped me championed me helped me get the skills i needed if you've been in birmingham now to use this 
the down, the downplay that we use on our skills in, in Birmingham. So I totally appreciate it. And I also know how hard you work as well, because I'm very aware of how hard you work. Uh, and I see all the time and effort that you put into uh, cre- creating uh, this role. And I know uh, it's from from my perspective when I'm out and about telling people um, that I go and review ballet, that just from reviewing ballet, how people are like, wow, what an amazing thing to do. So I can only imagine on the grand scale when you say, you walk in and you say, I'm from Birmingham Royal Ballet, by the way. I am the CEO of Birmingham Royal Ballet. I can only imagine how uh, prestigious that must feel, particularly when you're going around the country or even across the world to different places as well, because it's somewhere that's always known. It was known as being part of Sadler's Wells and transferred from Sadler's Wells. There was a big fuss when it was transferred from Sadler's Wells and I know it was like 1990, I'm sure that was the year it was, um, because I remember the fuss. There was a fuss. It was a huge fuss. So I'm just always very excited to champion about it. The fact it's homegrown in our city uh, is just so wonderful to me because it helps me demonstrate that Birmingham is more and that there's more to Birmingham than uh, the stereotypes that people have about us as a place. So I'm always excited to show that ballet is here, and it always looks wonderful to see. So I'm always uh, very grateful that it's here as well as something that I, I can champion, and that you get to go and talk to other people across other countries about us. That's just such an amazing thing. So thank you for doing that for us. Well, I also think that it's such a privilege, but also we've got so much more to do to shout because when I say Birmingham Royal Ballet, some of your listeners probably less so, but a lot of people are like, oh, so you just perform in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we're an international company. We employ 180 people permanently, probably about 300 with crew and Um, extras throughout the year and additional freelance staff and we're one of the biggest arts employers in the West Midlands and the company tours between 140 and 175 shows a year and we go everywhere from Sunderland to Southampton, Wolverhampton to Nottingham, in a couple of years we'll be going back to Japan, America, you know as I said, Istanbul, that I'm going off to later That's this week. So I think there's still a lot to be said about taking the brand of Birmingham mm-hmm. somewhere else to say, we aren't a provincial city. Yes. We aren't a provincial company. We're an international company that has talent, homegrown talent, but also talent that is drawn from around the world. Fantastic. That is so wonderful to hear. Uh, I can't wait to share more about your programme through the year and come and see more performances as well. I'm so excited to come and see performances. Upcoming performances uh, include on the list that I've got in front of me, An Evening of Music and Dance, which is Symphony Hall on the 11th of February. Swan Lake is at the Birmingham Hippodrome, where we are here from the 15th to the 25th of February. And then there's the quirky ones, which are Still Life at the Penguin Cafe, Triple Bill, uh, featuring Apollo and Interlinked. That's from the 8th to the 11th of june 2023 uh, and those are coming up you can see more 
productions listed are brb.org.uk you can find out more about Caroline uh, on there as well if you look out for Caroline's page Caroline Miller OBE she, I keep saying OBE I, I, if I had OBE after my name I'd be saying hi I'm Dave Massey from Bromar OBE uh, so I think that's wonderful wonderful achievement to be recognised for doing that as well um, but have a look at those details brb.org.uk uh, Caroline thank you so much to, for chatting to me about this today you're welcome please come and see us oh absolutely thank you for listening to this brum radio podcast don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app